to this day still hasn't been solved despite constant attention, constant publicity, and constant speculation. For today's episode, I thought I would try and be a little bit festive this go-round. So welcome back to the Capital Creeps podcast. I'm your host, Danielle, and this week we are celebrating Thanksgiving as best as I can. Uh, I figured we would go for something as festive as I possibly could make. (laughs) And so this week we are talking about a topic that interests me a lot that I've always really liked because, like I said, it really is known as the first ever mystery in American history. And that is the lost colony of Roanoke. Now, although this week's topic isn't exactly festive, I wanted to do a story that focused on Native Americans since, like I said, I did want to try and be Thanksgiving themed as much as I could. But this story actually took place before the original colonists ever really colonized America. In fact, I would say, if anything, this could be really categorized as the original failure (laughs) and kind of a foreshadowing of what we had ahead of us in store um, as far as America goes and the process of colonizing it. Um, So Roanoke is interesting because it combines a little bit of legend, a little bit of fiction, a lot of fact. But because all of this took place so long ago, a lot of the mystery mainly just focuses around the fact that they didn't really have any sort of technology to try and solve the mystery in the first place. Like, this is something that could never happen today, or even in the last century, that's for sure. And maybe even before then. So let's go back to the very beginning. Roanoke was what they wanted to have be America's first colony. This wasn't just a random idea that happened, though. There was some stuff that did happen beforehand that led to the colonists going to Roanoke in the first place. For starters, explorers actually did visit that area before all of this happened, just a few years before But it was a complete failure, even more so than the Lost Colony. Basically what happened there was a lot of people ended up just giving up because things got really hard. Um, Some people started dying of smallpox and um, there was bad relations between the native people and the people who were trying to colonize Roanoke. So they actually just eventually packed up and went back to England. However doesn't really seem like the English learned because only a couple years later was when they decided to try and get people to colonize Roanoke. This one was a little bit different than the stuff in the past though because it wasn't like they were going to Roanoke in search of any sort of supplies or gold or resources anything like that. They actually wanted to set up shop there and, you know, have English people living there and forming a little community and all that. So they got people, random people, (laughs) to join. Um, In July of 1587, that's when uh, they would have landed in the area. They recruited people to come to this new world 
because they really just knew who to pick. A lot of the people were middle class and they were attracted to the idea, not even just for the adventure and whatever else might happen, but because they wanted to own their own property and this would be a really quick and easy way to do so. I mean, on their end, they figured all I have to do is get there and just decide this is my land now. And there they go. They, they're set for life. So the location that they went to was actually based on the previous events that had happened. There had been explorations beforehand. And so because of that, they kind of had an idea of, okay, this is where we can go. This is where we can't go. And what was weird about this was there had been actually issues between the native people at Roanoke and the explorers, but they still went back there anyways. Whether or not there was anything special or important that happened there that made them want to go back, I don't know. But when they showed up there, they saw signs that people had been there in the past, and that's how they knew, hey, we're at the right place. The island that they landed in was actually what is now a part of North Carolina, just to put in perspective as to where this is. I've never been anywhere near the East Coast, so all of this means nothing to me. And you could tell me that it was in Florida, and I would have no way to disprove that. (laughs) But it was in North Carolina. So with this crew, there was a man named John White, and he showed up to the colony with his wife and his daughter, who was super pregnant at the time. And he was eventually made governor of the people who landed. So I guess governor of the colony would be how you would say that. Eventually, his daughter, who, like I said, was super pregnant, gave birth. And she had a daughter on August 18th in 1857. So just a couple months after they landed. The daughter's name was Virginia Dare, and something interesting about her is that she's the first known English person born in America. So it was really looking like, you know, they were going to have a colony and start families and actually do what they had tried to do in the first place. But while they were at Roanoke, there was pretty much constant tension with the native people that lived there, partially due to what had happened in the past but also due to the fact that these people didn't really know their place. They had just decided, hey, this is my land and these are my resources. And they were desperate. And so they were doing whatever they could to survive, including, you know, hunting on land that belonged to the people who had already been there. And, you know, anything else (laughs) might bother them, um, including possibly even stealing their supplies uh, when needed. So what actually happened is when they got there, not very long after they were there, a man named George Howe was crab fishing on the shore when he was actually killed by a group of native people because, you know, he was hunting on their land. And they also had very negative responses to native people. These were the Croatoan people and they had never really gotten along with Uh, the American settlers because of the fact that, you know, they did all the things that they did (laughs) and showed up and decided to start crab fishing on their land and stuff like that. And was like, oh yeah, this is where I live now. This is my land. Very cool. We love it. So pretty much from the very beginning, things were not good. There was also attacks that happened 
where the group at Roanoke tried to attack um, an enemy tribe and they accidentally ended up getting in conflict with the Croatoan people who they already weren't doing so hot with, which made things even worse. And this is also bad to consider because the Croatoan people were pretty close to them. So it was like having neighbors who want you dead and know the terrain better than you and know how to hunt better than you and probably know how to kill you better than you know how to kill them. John White, despite everything else that had happened with the native people, actually wanted peace with them. And so they kind of lucked out when they met a man named Manteo. So there's a little bit of he said, she said, when it comes to who exactly Manteo is, not necessarily, you know, was he a real person? Did he exist? He definitely did. But it's a question of what his status was. Um, Some people say that he was really high up or possibly even a chief of the Croatoan people. And some people say that his status was never really legitimate in the first place and that his mother was high up, but she didn't pass it down to him because it wasn't like they were doing any sort of royalty. So people think that maybe it got mixed up because English people have an idea that status is passed down by birth. And so there's a possibility that in the Croatoan tribe, it didn't work like that, but the people were mistaken. But regardless, Manteo did play a big part in the English settlers' lives. He even went on to continue working with English settlers, even past the work that he did with the Roanoke people. So what he did is he just sort of helped them through the hardships. He helped them learn how to do like crops helped with conflict mediation with his people and their people and he also was a translator so I guess he learned English and would translate and mediate at the same time. Sometimes his people did say that he was a traitor. He even supposedly assimilated into English culture later on and this was I guess all by his own choice. But regardless he was helpful to them during this time. However, despite anything that could have been done to help them, they just weren't in a great spot to begin with. Their supplies were low, and by the time that August hit, people were already worried about the winter that was coming up. They weren't in a good position. They didn't really know the land very well. They had only been there for a couple months. The native people were constantly fighting with them, so on top of just surviving from hunger, they were trying to figure out how to survive with never knowing if they were in danger of being attacked or not and also just trying to deal with sort of like the politics that come along with okay you know there's this tribe and this tribe and they have this and this going on and they just were really really out of their league so this is where the story gets weird I understand why this happened but at the same time like why did this happen By late August, I guess people were super worried about what was going to happen in the winter. So they decided, hey, let's get some supplies from England. But instead of doing what would have possibly made more sense and just sending a lower ranking person to go, they decided to send John White. This is where I get kind of confused because at this point, 
John White had a very fresh granddaughter that had been born, his wife and his daughter there with him. I don't know the status of all the people that were there, of course, but it does seem like maybe there could have been a loner there who didn't have family, who maybe would like to visit his family in England, (laughs) who could have gone. But no, they decided John White, the governor of their little group, who worked to have peace with the native people, would go and get supplies for them and end up being the hero. So he went. He left in August and he got back in England in October. Now this is where the story goes from, okay, this is boring, (laughs) to, okay, now it gets interesting. It also goes to show you how much more exciting and mysterious life would be if we didn't have constant technology. Like, I think just about once a day, how much better life would be if we just stopped progressing with technology past, like, 2000. We had computers, but we didn't have computers in our hands at all points in time. However, there are definitely some conveniences that I could live with. One of them being... The ability to talk to somebody who left to another country and let them know maybe if I was alive or dead and vice versa. So John went to England and he was super psyched to come back and help his family, (laughs) give him supplies and take back control of his colony and do whatever he was trying to accomplish with Roanoke. However just wasn't going to work out for him. It really wasn't in the cards for him. See, at the time, England and Spain were not really on good terms. Apparently, the conflict between Spain and England was so bad that it kept the English from investing in a trip back to America for another three years. So for three years, John had to wait until he finally got the green light to go back to America and bring back supplies. Now, this part of the story often sort of gets blown over of like, oh yeah, and he couldn't wait, he had to wait for three years, and then he came back and this and this has happened. But what I'm super interested in is, what was he doing for three years? What do you do for three years? And how does anybody have that much patience? So three years later, he returns back to Roanoke. He finally got back there at August 16th of 1590. Now, if you remember, he was only on Roanoke for like two months before he left. Now, it's been three years later, um, pretty much three years since the day he left. And he strolls back onto Roanoke Island with all his supplies like, hey, guys, I fixed it. I figured it out. We got it. It's good. I saved the day. However... Whenever he comes back, he sees that there's nothing there. But it's not as black and white as that. Not only is there nothing there, as in no people, there's no sign of any sort of struggle. There's no sign that anybody packed up and left. It's as if they just disappeared. So John's like, huh. Everyone's gone. There's no signs of struggle. 
as far as maybe dead bodies anywhere. There's no signs of struggles. As in like there's stuff being destroyed or pillaged. No, it was just empty. So he does a little bit of investigating. And he saw the word Croatoan carved into a fence. And into a tree was carved the letters C-R-O. Now C-R-O is the first three letters of Croatoan. So it's possible that somebody was in the middle of writing it somewhere else as well. And they just had to leave for whatever reason in the middle of it. So he was looking around more because there was something specific that he was worried about. Apparently, they had been given instructions by John that if they ever were to have to leave against their will, he, they would somebody, anybody, would stop and carve a Maltese cross somewhere. But he never saw one. Instead, like I said, Croatoan was carved. So it was like somebody was trying to send a message, but it was like they were trying to say, hey, we're not being held at gunpoint here. But just so you know, something's going on. <laughs> now, if you were listening closely, you would remember the word Croatoan has come up multiple times in this story. And that's because of a few reasons. One, there was the Croatoan people. Manteo was one of them. But for the most part, they hadn't really been jiving with them too well. But the Croatoan people, why were they called that? Well, it's because they lived on Croatoan Island. This island was about 80 miles away. So, John said, hey, let's go check there. However, there was a really bad storm. And whoever was with John was like, yeah, no, we're not going. And instead of just wait out the storm, they went back to England. I couldn't find a reason why doesn't really matter but all I know is there was some sort of obligation that John had to go back to England now I know that John wasn't alone and I know that John wasn't the only decision maker here but if I were those people I would say how are they gonna get, keep track of how long we should have been gone let's at least go check right it's 80 miles away you're just going to live the rest of your life being like, huh. So I wonder if they were at Croatoan Island. <laughs> I, this is the weirdest part of the story. No matter what has happened before this or after this, the weirdest part is that they didn't just go and check it out. However, that's the end of John's portion of it. He just didn't go check. But when he came home, it was a mystery that people started talking about. It sparked people's interest. And so people decided that they were going to be the one to go ahead and find the lost colony of Roanoke. In 1602, Sir Walter Riley went to go check it out, but he didn't ever actually get to land. Apparently there was a really bad storm that made him turn around and say, yeah, I'm going back to England. When he got back to England... He was arrested. And I didn't figure out why he was arrested. But honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> it doesn't matter to the story at all. The one thing that I was confused about, though, is 
How often are there just like terrible raging storms off the coast of North Carolina? Like, are you guys just in constant fear of your lives or what? Like, I don't even understand. But he was not alone in his endeavors to try and find the people of Roanoke. In 1603, Bartholomew Gilbert went and most of his crew was killed by native people. So I guess they decided to go on ahead and ditch that (laughs) endeavor. Now, as far as the story of the lost colony of Roanoke goes, yeah, the story is interesting. But what people mostly focus on are the theories as to what happened to the people. Like I said, it was 115 people. So where did they go? And this is where facts mixed with legend mixed with a little bit of history. Now, there's a lot of theories as to what happened to them. So bear with me. I honestly think that pretty much all of them are worth at least hearing out. Even if you have an idea that maybe you've already thought of as to maybe what happened to them. One of the first theories is that maybe they were just all killed. There are two ways as to why people think they would have been killed. So some people think that the native people just killed them off. This theory was spearheaded by John Smith in 1607. And yes, that John Smith. I don't think this happened like the Disney movie said it did. So apparently he was talking to Chief Powhatan and the chief said that, yeah, me and my whole tribe actually killed them all. And we did it for retaliation because they allied themselves with an enemy tribe. And so to get back at them, we just decided to kill them all. Now this... This theory, I guess, could make some sense, but I don't get how you kill that many people. I don't know how many people were on this tribe, but that is a ton of people to kill. And if they wanted to get back at them for allying with another tribe, don't you think they maybe would have just killed off like more prominent members of the Roanoke colony just to sort of make a point? Now, I don't really understand politics of the late 1590s, so, you know, could be wrong. I don't know how they did their stuff there. But another theory that also involves them all dying is that they were killed by Spaniards. This one, to me, actually makes a little bit more sense than them just being killed off by natives. Because if you remember John John White... I was about to say John Smith. There's too many Johns happening here. (laughs) John White got stuck in England because of the war that was happening between Spain and England. Now, a big victory for either one of the sides would be having good, strong relations in America. Having good colonies, and especially the first one. Seems like that would be a pretty big power move to be the ones first on the scene with colonizing this entirely new country. So what people think is that maybe some Spanish explorers happened upon the English people and were like, oh, they got like a whole colony happening here. Um, we can't have that. <laughs> so they killed them all for politics. 
Now, this theory doesn't hold up that much just because, like I said, there were no signs of struggles and there were no bodies found. It was three years later, so it's not like he's going to find actual bodies, but you would think he would maybe find at least bones or something. And he didn't find anything like that at all. And I could be wrong, but maybe the Spanish would want to put up a flag or something like that just to be like, yeah, we dominated the heck out of your guys' colony. From a political standpoint, this one makes a lot of sense to me, but there's just not really anything backing it, so I don't take it that seriously. Another two-part theory here is that they were victims of cannibalism. Some people think that they were possibly eaten by a cannibalistic native tribe. Now, I don't really know that much about whether or not any of the tribes were actually cannibals or if they were just painted to be that way from English settlers so that we thought of them as savages. So I can't sit here and say, yeah, um, they definitely had people there who did that. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, meh, you know. Some people think, though, that there is some strength in that theory because they say, okay, well, there were no bodies found. That's because the bodies were eaten. Oh, why were no bones found? Oh, because they used the bones as tools or whatever the heck else. So no one's ever going to find any sort of sign that anybody died. But some people think that they were also victims of cannibalism, but that they were the ones cannibalizing. Basically, when John left them, he thought they were in pretty rough shape. So some people think that the winter got so tough that they all just ate each other. Again, this would explain maybe why there weren't bodies found. But in this scenario, I don't know if English colonizers used bones for any reason. Or if maybe they buried them or something. I don't know. But that's just... It's one of the more outlandish ones. And I definitely don't think that this happened. But it's still worth talking about because some people believe it. And in this scenario, I don't think any one idea could be that crazy. Except for the other idea that is that crazy. <laughs> and that is that they were victims of witches. So the reason why some people think that witches were involved is because the Croatoans told stories of witches that lived out in the woods. So some people think that the woodland witches decided to come and cast a spell on them or something. Now this theory I didn't see that commonly put out there. But like I said, I think every theory is worth at least talking about. If anything, it's fun. So I thought I might as well include it. Another one that is all too relevant is that they died of a plague. So, in a lot of these expeditions, people were getting super sick. So, why not the Lost Colony? Why couldn't they have just gotten sick and then all died? Now, in this scenario, people think, okay, well, why didn't they find, you know, mass graves or whatever? Well, people think that they were so desperate that maybe they just, whenever somebody was sick, they would just abandon them somewhere. So kind of like a way to quarantine them. Say, hey, <laughs> you can't get anywhere near me and that's cool with me. I'll leave you to die out somewhere, you know. 
disease makes people desperate and maybe that's what happened again there's not really any evidence backing this one and it is kind of just speculation based on experiences that other explorers had but I don't really think that it's something that could be completely overlooked we don't really have that much evidence for any of these theories and I mean we saw this stuff happening in England so why not happening you know out in America now this last theory is definitely the most popular one and that is maybe they just joined the tribe now some people think that they were actually forcefully taken from Roanoke onto the Croatoan island to be slaves for the Croatoan people however I don't believe this just because they took the time to write out Croatoan and CRO but nobody wrote the cross and maybe somebody decided, I'm being kidnapped. Instead of writing across, I think I'm going to tell them just uh, where I am. <laughs> Logically, yeah, that makes more sense. But they didn't. They didn't make a cross. Nobody did. So I don't know. I don't have anything backing that. I haven't seen anything backing that. And that one's a little bit more of speculation. And I do think that it does teeter on the line of what I said before about possibly just speculation based on negative stereotypes that were created about native people by the English settlers. What I do believe though is that they joined the tribe peacefully. Now the reason that I believe that is because settlers who later came and colonized the colony of Jamestown reported seeing Europeans. Not only did they report seeing Europeans but they reported talking to Europeans who were in tribes and they were like, yeah, like I'm a European and I just live in this tribe and that's life. <laughs> and so people think that maybe they just joined this tribe. Maybe they just assimilated into the tribe. Something that I think is a lot more interesting than just seeing Europeans was that down the line near the Croatoan area there were lots of reports of people seeing Native Americans that had blonde hair blue eyes typically European features that hadn't been really seen on any other Native people before so this could be evidence of not just assimil assimilation but that they were fully a part and fully part of the family of this tribe that they had had children that they had lived their lives fully a part of this tribe and decided never to go back with any of the other colonies that eventually came to America. Now, I think I've given this away, but personally, I believe that this is the correct theory. I think at this point, people want the story of Roanoke to be a mystery just because it is the first, you know, and there's something so incredibly sensational about over a hundred people just disappearing and John walking to the island and there's nobody there and there's mysterious riddles and <laughs> secrets carved into the tree and stuff. But really, from my perspective, it seems pretty black and white. They had had conversations with this other tribe. The island that the tribe lived on was not very far 
and they carved it onto a tree. Now, like I said, it could be a matter of whether or not they went peacefully, but I think they went peacefully. I think they got desperate enough to say, yeah, dude, why are we even trying to colonize? At this point, we're not even going to live to see tomorrow. So who cares if we do this in the name of England or if we just survive as our own people and just hang on to the people who can help us the most? So I personally think that they just assimilated to the tribe and lived their life on this tribe and went about their life and maybe had kids and made families and settled down with this tribe. Although, with all that being said, I do still love the mystery. And I loved the American Horror Story season of it as well. And I even named my Animal Crossing Island Roanoke as well because I thought it would be fun. In researching all of this, I came to the conclusion that there are people that just live in Roanoke and they don't even realize it's such a big deal. And that's how I feel about people who live in Salem as well. Like, you guys just live your life in one of the creepiest places ever with all this cool mystery and history and all this and you guys don't even know it. Or I should say you guys don't even care. (laughs) Now, I know this episode was a little bit shorter, but like I said, I just don't feel like there's that much mystery to this one. I think if anything, there's just a little bit of theatrics. But like I said, wanted to keep it festive. So here we are. It's one of my favorite stories, (laughs) The Lost Colony of Roanoke. So you guys stay tuned for next week. I'll have something maybe creepier, maybe more mysterious in the future. You guys stay safe. Have a good holiday if you celebrate it. And of course, as always, stay spooky. (laughs) 